Blog Talk Radio. This is Alpha, hosting the set of Push Bag Talking, the Alpha Show. Each Friday, fire in the belly of Friday. The Alpha Show, Friday nights, 10 p.m., only on TruthWorks Network. You're listening to Alpha on TruthWorks Network, the best of political pushback. Go for it, Alpha. Friday, 10 p.m., pushback to the truth. It's the Alpha Show at TruthWorks Network, only at TruthWorks Network. Welcome. Good evening. Welcome to Our Common Ground. This is a special election edition of Our Common Ground. I'm Alpha. I'll be your host. I'll also be co-hosting with Janice Graham, the regular host of Our Common Ground. And hopefully we'll have India Declare of the I Declare show, Matthew V. Johnson of Soul of Fire. Uh, hopefully we can be joined by others such as Leah Gaines. Uh, she's the head of the NAACP down in Florida. And I'm trying to get the name, the correct name of the county, but as of the section of which she, which she heads the NAACP. But um, this is an election night special, and we will be talking politics. My biggest fears seem to be coming coming to fruition. I also want to talk about what happens after the election. I want to say one thing, and I want to say one thing. Just let me be clear. This will not end tomorrow. Tomorrow night is not the ending of this. This election will be, especially if it's close and Obama's winning, it'll be drugged through the courts. It'll be drugged through every venue. It'll reach every environment. Every charge will be made. They are looking to steal Ohio, Florida, and Pennsylvania. You watch the massive line. I want people to pay very, very close attention to Pennsylvania and the massive lines that will occur in Pennsylvania tomorrow, all day tomorrow. If you've got people standing in line eight and nine hours in Florida, if the shenanigans that have been going on in Ohio, Pennsylvania is the icing on the cake. Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, there are 67 electoral college votes at stake, and that's enough to push Mitt Romney over the top, checkmate, by hook and by crook, checkmate. What's our advantage is if we have the people come out in enough numbers, because they've already solidified what I want to call their 
their theft. They have it in place. Their states, uh, Secretary of States who run the elections, they're in place. The table is set. Now all I need to do is some people to sit down. I need people to simply sit down and begin to feast upon what is going on and what is happening. Let me bring in the co-host. Good evening, everyone, and good evening, Alpha, and welcome to everyone to the pre-election special at Our Common Ground. I want to tell you a little about what's going to happen here tonight. Here we are. Tomorrow is the moment of truth. Joining us to talk about that, uh, Leah Gaines, the president of the West Palm Beach branch of the NAACP, calling in from Florida. Of course, my co-host, Alpho, of the Alpho Show on TruthWorks Network. Joining us, Miss India DeClaire of the I Declare Show, and Dr. Matthew V. Johnson, the host of Soul of Fire at TruthWorks Network. And I believe India is just joining us now, and Dr. Johnson will be with us shortly. Leah and India, welcome again to Our Common Ground. And a wonderful evening to you, Ms. Janice Graham. And, Leah, so nice to uh, uh, be on the panel with you. And I heard Alpo as well. Great to be here, you guys. Same here. Good evening, everyone. Nice to join you again. And thanks to you out there for joining us as as well. You need to write this down. Our call-in number is 347-838-9852. Alpha is going to be introducing uh, an outline of some topics that we're going to be discussing here tonight. And, of course, you are free to call in with your own. But tomorrow is the moment of truth after much words exchanged, political ads, accusations, voter fraud, voter suppression. The voters will choose the next president of the United States, President Obama and Mitt Romney have their core supporters in areas of the country in which they have an advantage over the other. At the moment, the polls have the president with a slight advantage in many of the battleground states. Romney, as of this moment, is ahead in Florida. That was this afternoon. Uh, From one day to the next, they say different things. Now, tomorrow, we will find out what the case is. Um, Barring some upsets with the voter count, (laughs) voter suppression, (laughs) or electoral college, this race will be decided. Uh, We are all suffering from election fatigue and it has set in, and, and I know that I'm feeling some weariness, and we want to talk about a little about that. New York City and parts of New Jersey are struggling to pick up the pieces in the aftermath of uh, math of uh, Hurricane Sandy. And in this time of crisis and desperate need, rhetoric about small government is quite tone deaf. It remains to be seen whether... Uh, that message will be accepted and given a mandate on the na- national level. 
whatever sentiments out there about the limitations of electoral politics, that is still no reason to ignore them. So we want to talk to you about all of this, and Alpha is going to lead the discussion in this first episode and in, in this first hour. And I'm going to turn it on back to them, back to him, and to our panel. Well, thank you, Dennis. I, um, without getting off of uh, topic, and I saw the story late, and it just happens to be, you know. Something that I think still matters, because I think after this election, rather than party and go home, should we uh, come out victorious? We need to, at some point, think about something other than tomorrow. We need to think about next year and the year after that. We need to have a an idea, a plan, a long game. And one of the biggest long games I think it should start with is this. Today Bloomberg broke the story that it is true, Harry Reid was telling the truth, that Mitt Romney had not paid taxes for the 10 years, and he is through a... um, to a uh, Latter-day Saints uh, charity that he was able to hide this. And all of the people who called Harry Reid a liar and the whole nine yards, Democrats never had the backbone to stand up. Okay, that's that. Back on topic. These voter suppressions, all of the rules, all of the laws, the ID, even the killing of the early vote has produced these long lines. And there should be Democrats who should be howling in front of every camera, who should not just be outraged or indignant. They should be calling the Republicans exactly what they are, voter suppressionists, election frauds, The attempt to destroy provisional ballots in Ohio and the mere fact that he implemented software, experimental software, into the voting machines, all of that, I think he should be prosecuted for it because he basically broke election law. And I think the Democrats should hold up the certification. And I gotta tell you, I don't believe that we will know this time tomorrow, or the or the next day, or the next day, or the next day, who won this election? Because they are geared to hold the certifications up. Pennsylvania is geared to have massive lines, and Florida is geared to uh, steal it for run. There are 67 electoral college votes in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida. And that will turn this election. If they are successful, it will be President-elect Mitt Romney. And I just want to go down the line of the panel here. Leah, Mm -hmm. India, let's start with uh, 
with you, uh, Leah. How how do you? I mean, am I off base here? Am I a little off my rocker? No, you're you're pretty close. You're pretty darn close. Um, there's certainly been uh, coordinated efforts, and even those efforts that are, that are not coordinated. Um, but are still being launched um, in terms of uh, voter suppression are having a devastating effect here in Florida. And I do expect that, and I'm sure you all must know, <clears throat> both campaigns are seriously lawyered here. Uh, there's been quite a, a battleground here in South Florida with the um, the early voting, as you know. And um, with, you know, any prediction of a margin of error between, you know, 1% or a half a percent, they're certainly going to trigger some recounts and, and most likely some litigation. India? Well, Alpha, uh, I must say, uh, as usual, uh, I agree with your assessment um at this point um there are very few polls that I'm paying attention to I am literally polled out uh and I think that the uh, uh, uh the serious polls um uh, whomever they may be have been uh, 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 drowned out if you will or 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 dwarfed by the wannabe serious polls this is a big money maker this uh presidential uh, election and opportunity for uh uh, uh corporations uh, that poll to make a name for themselves and I, I i just find it hard to believe as i have observed the varying crowds across the country um uh the 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 crowds for president obama um look like america and uh, when one has a political uh, agenda and grid of being uh, anti-voting uh, rights, uh, anti-women's uh, rights, anti-workers' rights, anti-collective bargaining rights, uh, anti-health uh, care, uh, anti-American uh, economic security, uh, uh, I just, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm just stunned that average Americans can support the Rodney Ryan ticket. I'm I'm just baffled by this, uh, and I have been uh, for some uh, for some time. Um, uh, this 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 is this this president is uh, the most accomplished president uh, in our modern era, uh, and for this president to have been on the defensive as 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 he uh, uh, has been, and for the uh, freakish. Um, uh, campaign of Mitt Romney. It kind of reminds me of like the old Seinfeld show, how that show was about nothing. Uh, Mitt Romney's campaign has been uh, about um, uh, 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 nothing. We 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 do not. We have not seen the tax returns. Uh, we have had to go on data provided to us by, for instance, uh, as you articulated, uh, Senator uh, Harry Reid. Uh, what we do know about Romney has been done by courageous uh, investigative journalists. Uh, uh, so what are people applauding for? I, 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 I'm just stunned that this is being uh, called a close election. I know the media uh, wants and needs a close election so that everybody is tuned in and their eyeballs on the on the stations and 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 and, and people are tuned in. But uh, for the life of me, um, when I look at the Romney uh, crowds, 
uh, number one, they're not equal in number, and they do not surpass the number of the crowds that come to see President Obama. And number two, they don't look like America. Well, um, <laughs> I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right on that. But I also, let me put it like this: I'm, I am more hesitant to say not only don't they look like America, but you, you mentioned that. You don't see how people could support him. Hatred for this president has out-trumped their dislike, their evangelical Christian dislike for the cult that is Mormonism, as they they have described it. So they are willing to settle for a cult over a man of color, an accomplished man of color. And that you know, that, that that's more than just troubling. It it takes us to a place in this country, this so called uh post racial Obama era. And when it's actually the same thing. It's the same situation. It's it's, it's what we've had, it's what we've known. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So uh let me welcome um let me welcome Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson, are you there? Yes, I am. How you doing? How you, how you doing now? Well, good evening, Dr. Johnson. I declare here. Nice to hear from you again, sir. Thank you. And you're also on with uh, Ms. Leah Gaines. And, good evening, uh, Mr. Johnson. Pleasure to be able to join you this evening. Thank you. Dr. Johnson, my question, the, the the table is set, and I look at it like that. The table is set, and we need to be very conscious of how this is going to play out. Like I said, I don't see there being a declared winner. I see this being in the mud, in the murky waters by design. And I see them looking to the court to declare a new president. Mm. I, I certainly wouldn't put it past them. I mean, uh, that that seems to be what they're angling for, you know, uh, from past experience, that uh, they want victory at any and all costs, despite, in spite of the way it may compromise democracy or America's claims to champion freedom and democracy uh, at an international level. But white folk, um, particularly white folk of that ilk, have been prepared to sacrifice any number of things uh, to maintain racial hegemony at various levels down through the years. They actually stopped the war effort at a very critical period in World War II and put the entire nation at risk right there in Philadelphia when they were working uh, in and for the harbor to produce ships simply because black people were called upon to drive buses. They stopped working in the middle of a war. And so I, I don't I don't put anything past them uh, or, or their historic duplicity. That's why I, I cannot agree uh, totally with I declare. I agree that it seems unreasonable that the election would be this close um, based on an abstract rationality, but in terms of a contextual rationality, it makes perfect sense that it would be this close. In fact, it would make 
Obama was losing at this point. Uh, the degree of irrationality just goes to highlight the extent to which irrational forces are actually uh, preeminent in determining the shape of American culture, American thought, American choices. I think uh, it's an indication of the depth and the continuing power of racism and the, mm-hmm. and the fact that Alpha has said that we are not in any post-racial anything. Post-racial simply means white folks don't want you to talk about it no more. Post-racial means that they're, they're beyond discussing Post-racial means it's not an issue anymore because they're tired of being made uncomfortable by what they are in their history. That's all post-racial means. It doesn't mean anything uh, to any intelligent black person. And so the fact that it's this close or the fact that uh, white and this should, and this should alarm uh, black women who see themselves part of some larger feminist movement in America, the fact that race trumps their own, actually their white women's own economic and political interests suggests that the psychological need for a particular uh, identity predicated on white supremacy is preeminent over any other ethical or moral consideration that half, at least 50% of the white women in this country operate by. And so I think it's a a huge wake-up call to African Americans that despite uh, a a stellar uh, record on behalf of Barack Obama, in spite him bending over backwards to get along with the most extreme elements uh, from the white community, and in spite of all these things, in spite of the fact that Romney is a pathological lie, um, it just goes to show that somehow the, the ordinary, uh, uh, everyday uh, moral rules that apply everywhere else to white Americans are somehow put in relief and suspended animation when it comes to evaluating black people. In other words, with half of America, you can't win. I don't care how good you are or how bad they are. It's just proof again that no matter how dirty they are, because they're white, they're clean, and no matter how clean you are, because you're black, you're dirty. And uh, that's what it pretty much comes down to, and anybody's not willing to see that simply in dealing with reality. The um, uh, steroidal irrationale, the... The 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 hyper steroidal irrationality of all of this um, uh, is 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 uh, uh, for those who have been in denial, uh, as you have said so brilliantly, uh, um, uh, that denial can no longer um, uh, exist. It is uh, this has just ripped the scab off of uh, uh, just this unbelievable. Straight jacket irrationality. That is, uh, um, it is. It's it, it's hard for a rational human being to wrap their mind um, around this. Uh, uh, I suppose if the gentleman was not a pathological liar, or you know, if he really had a record of uh, uh, bringing uh, economic security to Americans, any Americans. But uh, but the you know, but the man has a record of profiting from killing American economic security and is a freakishly uh, straight jacket requiring it appears to be a pathological liar and they still um, <laughs> will punch the chad uh, for an individual such as this uh, even though the president is, as I said, one of the, if not the most, 
um, uh, accomplished presidents uh, in American history. It, 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 it is a huge social studies uh, exhibit and, and one that is a, just a tremendous wake-up call. I can only imagine the, the conversations that take place at kitchen tables around the globe uh, about this and how we are being perceived uh, globally. Um, or, or if just what people have always thought is now effectively confirmed. Alpha, I want to jump in here for a minute because uh, I, I, as I listen to Dr. Johnson and and India, it 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 it, it forces me to revisit two shows that Dr. Johnson did. One was. Uh, who was asking a question of white women, but we have to ask a question of white America, whether or not you're willing to sacrifice your moral integrity on the altar of a racist God, and whether or not in our community we circle the wagon way too soon and we forgot about the noose way before we realized we were in wagons. I mean, the baseline here is here we are with 42% of the electorate in this country willing to vote for a man who is unwilling to reveal his tax records over the last 10 years, who hides his money in the Caymans and other tax scam havens, and he has told a pack of lies on a daily basis for the last six months, been proven to be a liar, and he has indicated that he's willing to go along with the war against women, white, black, green, or other. Thank but you. But he has 42% of the vote. Well, May I chime in here um, because I, I like the um, the discussion on this word rationality, and I think Dr. Johnson started. I, I think he set a really good good tone, and I think um, Mr. Claire Mr. Claire has also so excellently articulated and reinforced it. I see it as the an evil rationality. So, you know, if you, if you talk about, you know, what is reasonable or what is in sound judgment, it was re- it was very reasonable for them to hedge their bets that if they looked at how they could curtail voter registration based on race predominantly, voter purging based on race predominantly, talking about how the disenfranchisement of um, people who have been formerly incarcerated, and then voter ID, which disproportionately impacts black folk. And black folks don't have um, um, picture IDs. They don't have debit cards or credit cards that are even used as substitute forms because many of them are unbankable. So I think there's a... um, very much a, something very rational rational about these projections. There's, there's an evil rationality in that. They are basically saying they have used sound judgment in projecting how close this election is going to be because they've been successful, number one, at curtailing 
voter massive voter registration by numbers of black people in curtailing voter purge. I think they underestimated the voter ID piece, even though that was also based on race. I think black folk turned that on its head and said, we're going to do everything we can to not allow this to happen. The the voter purge and the voter registration was a done deal. They stopped that. Those folks are not going to be able to get to the polls. So when folks are projecting this close race, that is based on some sound scientific projections based on what they put in place across the nation. And so I think the the only thing to reverse this may be that they just they underestimated how black folk would turn the voter suppression efforts on voter ID, mandatory voter ID, around, and that's why you're seeing these long lines in um, across the nation, and particularly here in South Florida. These are people who have to vote early out of necessity. And many of the, and you're still going to lose some black folks in that number because many of those folks, are, they just need to be home with an elderly person. They may have daycare or child care, care needs that they need to attend to. And so many people are just not going to be able to, to hang out and stand in line. And they cut that in half from 11 to 8. So there's going to be an impact. But folks were really showing that they were going to do as much as they can, even with that impact, to see how they can turn it on its head. So it's been a very sound, scientific, and um, strategic way that they've gone after trying to curtail this vote. And it's and that's why that's how I see the polls neck and neck. We understand. Well, we I mean, we know it shouldn't be like that, but they're that way because they know. They put all these successful and these different tactics in place, and they're projecting some results from them. Well, I think I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't. I just. I don't agree with that, and I'll tell you why. I don't really agree with it because. Um, well, I agree with seventy-five percent of it, but I don't agree with the assumption that they did that to make the race close. No, I think they know it's going to be close because one of the most reliable things in American history is American racism, and. Uh, the cutting back on the uh, black vote has an impact if and only if it's already close. Uh, so they're not they're not relying on their cutting back to making it close. I think they're uh, hoping for the, the lack of um, voter registration or certainly the, the decrease in voter registration and the uh, and voter participation to be decisive. Um, because they anticipated it being close. And I think the reason they could anticipate it being close has to do with those factors I initially identified. So I agree that um, they're attempting to, uh, in a variety of ways, to suppress the vote. I don't think they're suppressing the vote to make it close. I think they're suppressing particularly the black vote um, in hopes that it's close so that they'll, in the consequence of suppression, they will carry the day. But I think they're counting on more uh, than just the absence of the black vote. I mean, uh, by God, we're only 11% of the population of all of us voted. Um, so I think oh, yeah, because they're looking at the youth vote. Um, they're trying to keep that below 18%. When you look at um, uh, Florida, 23% of the folks that are disenfranchised are black, black folk here in Florida. That's a substantial number. 
Yes, that's, that's a very significant number in a state that had that went from 22 electoral college votes to 29. Yeah, and that's mostly black folk. So if I mean, I'm talking about the disenfranchised folk. Yeah. If it's close, it'll be decisive. But I think they're counting on more than just those activities. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't have been able to carry out those activities if they did not own uh, the uh, state legislatures. In, uh, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, the they, absolutely. Yeah, and the way they got those state legislatures is required, relying on that racist, visceral racist reaction in the mm-hmm. right-wing vote, and it was successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't even be in position to suppress the vote. Correct. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Pennsylvania, you will see tomorrow, that Pennsylvania is as much the... I would say it would be the spearhead of this because that is the trump card. If they can get Pennsylvania, and they will get, you will see massive lines because the the chaos, the the, the word chaos, will become uh, prevalent tomorrow mm-hmm. as the lines for Pennsylvania and the people in Pennsylvania try to vote. This is going to be. Uh, this could very well be the shot that was fired at Harper's Ferry for this nation. I'm going to take um, Oral 4. has been holding for a while. Um, Oral 4, welcome to our common ground. I respect okay. you. How y'all doing there? Look here, man. Uh, uh, question to all y'all, man. It's time for us to quit being a, a thermometer and be a thermostat, i.e. ipso facto. When everybody was in line in Florida for eight hours, ten hours, nobody came up with no ideas to start a petition to get that damn governor out of Florida. I mean, what's the, what's the problem there? Start a petition now. The people standing in line, take that governor be, be recalled. Because I have a doggone, man. I agree with you, Miss Janice. Uh, 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 it was a doggone insult for Mitt Romney to go to Sanford, Florida, to have his run away the moment like he was doing in Philadelphia, Mississippi, and uh, I agree with you, Ms. Janice. It's time to start economic sanctions. We can't we just keep doing this three-week circus, i.e. voting, marching, and, and having a rally and sitting down with uh, paralysis of analysis. It's time economic. Pick Florida. I said when Trayvon Martin was killed, economic sanctions, boycott, boycott Florida. I take. Mm-hmm. I, I, I won't talk to that lawyer later on. I'm going to call you, Ms. Gaines, probably after the election. That's a personal matter, but. I I I let y'all take my uh, <laughs> answer off the phone. All right, Big West. Big West, yeah, I agree with I agree I agree with Big West. It is it is it is time to um, uh, exercise and maximize the leverage uh, that we as a community have, and uh, uh, and that leverage is uh, economic uh, leverage. And um, uh, and I believe that the passive uh, consumer patterns. Uh, need to be scrubbed down and, um, uh, in many cases, uh, 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 recalibrated and, in some cases, brought to a halt. Well, first of all, Big West uh, has to know that um, petitions cannot recall the governor. As a matter of fact, there is no recall mechanism in the state of Florida for that governor. And uh, right. someone correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't he serve a 
six-year term, or is it a six-year term, or four-year term? It's a four-year term. It is a four-year term. Okay, that's good. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you're right. There is no recall provision for the governor. And, 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 and you know, you know, this 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 midterm election of 2010, this midterm election has cost, and I believe, unfortunately, will continue to cost um, uh, Americans across this country uh, tremendously. How um, are we, the people. Uh, sat back and did not take that midterm election seriously. It's how we uh, harvested a Governor Scott and, 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 and a lot of these radical governors and these radical state legislatures because they immediately went to work. Not that they weren't working like uh, 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 ants in an ant bed before the 2010 midterm election as they were, but when that mm-hmm. midterm election took place and they made that historic gain legislatively, um, uh, they went to work. And, uh, uh, and now we are seeing uh, the unfortunate fruits of that. And I think that that is a lesson that, that, that it's not just the presidential election, but the midterm elections are vital, vital um, um, uh, 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 desperately need engagement because the passivity, uh, civic passivity, uh, is how we uh, got Florida's mm-hmm. governor, who himself has a hideous record. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 I mean, uh, uh, to call him anything other than a crook, um, uh, I think would be um, uh, a false. And 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 so we have to say, wow, man, we have to check ourselves. Wow, we were not engaged in that midterm, and that son of a gun cost us very seriously in terms of these voter ID laws and all of this stuff. So so um, uh, it, it ultimately comes back to us uh, and, 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 and the willingness to be, um, as all of you have spoken about so brilliantly, the willingness to be consistently engaged uh, in this process and not just show up every four years, but show up every day in between every four years. Uh, that's the only way any of this is going to be modified. Well, in my opinion, I I I I agree with you, and and you know, Alpha has al- always contended that we went to the party and then we went home. Uh, but there are a couple of phenomena and and that we uh, can look at over the course of the these campaigns. One is that I, for the life of me, in all my years have never seen any major institution within our community advising people in such an obtuse way about exercising their franchise. And then I have some problems with the whole notion of we got a franchise. But the other is that uh, we have a larger black progressive community, so-called progressive. They call themselves radicals and, you know, uh, people who who uh, are advocating uh, that this president has not fulfilled all of our dreams of change and hope, and we should abandon him because he hasn't served us collectively. So there are two things going on. I mean, even when Bill Clinton ran in his first first uh, for his first term, 
you didn't see the kind of confusion and chaos around the thinkers and the leaders and the activists that you see in in this election season. I'd like to hear uh, uh, from uh, our guests what you think might be the impact and why, rather than being focused on what we knew was going to happen, which is the voter suppression campaign, uh, voter ID and suppression, other suppression strategies are not new. Once they stole 204, they knew what they had to do. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they were planning ahead of time, and then after the 2008, we we went back on vacation. But what we're um, doing here in um, Palm Beach County is um, November the 7th, our Occupy the Vote Coalition transitions to Occupy the Community. And we're going to have our first meeting December 1st, and that first, the, the agenda has already been set by the coalition. And that first meeting is going to be how we set our agenda and our community work around uh, schoolhouse to jailhouse uh, issues. We're also going to be looking at um, the whole clemency issue. It's going to be another issue that we're going to be working around, as well as um, economic disparity. And so we're we're going to transition and continue, as well as, as Ms. Claire mentioned, be prepared for the next midterm so we can really mm-hmm. see some impact. Um, and so we're using this this general election, this fervor, this furor, um, we're using this as our organizing tool because the closer we get to the general election, now people are beginning to ask questions, trying to understand issues, get involved, get educated, and we're using this to grab them, Bring them in. Let them understand. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whoever is in, in in the president, I mean, it, it makes a difference. It's going to be set the pace for us, but the work has got to be done by us, not by right. the president. We oh, can't yeah. rely on the president. We have to rely on ourselves to hold our local folk and our state folk and our federal folk representatives accountable to demand what we need from the president, and that when that stuff comes through from the president, it gets back down to us. Oh, you're, you're and right, that, and that And that, Ms. Gaines, is a strategic mindset. What you just said should be on billboards across the country. That is a mindset recalibration that absolutely must, must, must take place um, uh, for any of this to have a silver lining um, uh, effect and uh, impact in, 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 in changing how we do things because how yes. we do things has to be changed. I yes. think, uh, I think, you know, and I, and I, I remember when Obama was supposed to, first elected, I was working with a group, Every Church, Peace Church, uh, which was just an example of really the kind of intransigence that we're really facing in terms of. Uh, kind of divides that we have even within the progressive movement. But uh, I remember saying that, that we had a window, the speech I made. I talked about the fact that what we have is a window of opportunity. 
Here's what I don't think people understand. We have uh, what what in theology is called a chirotic moment. You have a moment where the planets and stars have lined up to allow for certain uh, progressive possibilities. And I don't think people realize that they're living in that moment. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. fact, it's, a, it, um, it's sort of analogous to a situation that I experienced. I had a group of people, uh, some of whom, all of whom, left the uh, traditional church setting where they were in established churches. We organized the church. But they continued to act, operate as if we were in a, an established church. But when you organize a church, you have to have a different kind of energy and you have to sustain momentum in order to create and sustain growth. If you have an establishment mentality in an organized church, it is a recipe uh, to be stagnant and, and not to seize the moment of novelty, newness, creativity, and growth. What happened to black folk, what even happened to Obama, is at a certain level we had kind of bought into not necessarily a post-racial mm-hmm. dimension, but this notion of progress. One, that we had made a certain kind of progress at a level we had not made that. And two, the fact that progress, once achieved, is irreversible. Both of those assumptions were wrong. And so we operated after electing Barack Obama to the presidency as those folk reacted, we acted as though we were in a settled situation and that the progress that we made by putting him in office would somehow be self-sustaining and everything would then automatically continue to move forward. In other words, we took his election as an indication that something was happening that was not happening. And uh, what could happen, we therefore shrunk from the responsibility of making it happen. We're in the middle of a time where real revolution is possible, a revolutionary moment, uh, uh, rather use a chirotic moment. And we must draw on that to sustain people's enthusiasm, energy, and vigilance. Because if you're in the midst of a revolution, you have to keep the thing going or it will stall. Mm -hmm. And we may get a second crack at it if Obama gets elected. But Mm -hmm. our leadership have been acting like establishment people, and for good reason, they are establishment people. Uh, Barack Obama has operated as an establishment person. He did not realize he was the leader of a revolution, and he was in the middle of it. He sat down in the Oval Office and left his troops out on the field with no direction. And we we looked for him for signals on which way to fight. We got none because he was backing up most of the time or making the kind of compromises even rhetorically and ideologically he thought he had to make in order for political possibilities to come into his existence. So he wasn't sending the signals that the troops actually needed. And maybe there was a structural conflict between the signals that he could send and the sig- and get something done and the signals that were needed on the ground. But certainly mm-hmm. somebody should have been given them, but we weren't because we don't know what time it is. We simply are not aware that we don't have a or, or we don't have a king voice there interpreting the time, and the people that can interpret the times for people effectively and accurately, voices are not being heard because the establishment voices have monopolized the microphones, and those people who uh, who fit the media uh, image of what mass media image of what they need.
kind of voice they want to project are the people who get in the television and radio time. And so there's nobody out there interpreting for the people the fact that we're in the middle of a revolution. We got to keep moving. We got to get off the ass and fight. You're in the you're just, you're in the middle of a fight. And if you drop your hands and go home, you'll get beaten in the back of your head, which was what happened in the 2010 midterm election. Mm-hmm. Now, if God, uh, in spite of our Al- folks, <laughs> heathenism, <laughs> but if God decides to to, to act on uh, in cooperation with our best interests and give us another chance. We have the leadership in the black community, and I say the black community, but it's really the progressive community because in many ways, uh, many white progressives take their signals from leadership voices within the black community because of the position that we've occupied historically in terms of having the moral upper hand because of our marginalization. But if those voices seize the moment and interpret for, for black folk who demonstrate by their willingness to stand in line for hours that they're capable, eager, and ready for action. If they interpret the moment properly, then we'll be able to create an atmosphere where it, even if uh, President Obama did not want to do certain things or was uncomfortable with it, we can force his hand. But we got to understand right. the moment we're in. Right. And that's right. what we're missing. Right, that is that is that is such a critical point in order to create strategies that sustain what you just spoke to. We have to know where we are. Um, I remember Alpha saying uh, many years ago that we are in a war, a war, a war, and um, uh, and I think that's. Um, I think that's such such a critical point that we that we know what time it is and where we are and the evidence that we don't as you just um spoke to is that uh that a 2010 election mm-hmm. or was that 2010 election uh and 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 how passive um we were about it Yeah, that's was right. We went home. We had a party and went home. Because we wanted to act like the progress was established and it was irreversible, and and somehow we made it by um, electing a black president. In fact, we settled for too little. We should have seized the opportunity and kept pushing. We didn't, but if we get another chance. We better. Well, I think I think we have another chance, and uh, it has to uh, manifest itself in someone or. We as a people doing it, I think uh, the long lines that you see are not a, I don't think they are uh, reminiscent of anger or defiance. I just think that people are looking to uh, get out and vote, and that's what it appears to be. But the appearance can be uh, perceived as some type of backlash or some type of anger, and we must corral that. Uh, I think we have to go out on break about this time. Janice? Tuned in to the Our Common Ground 2012 Election Review, Analysis, and Insight broadcast. Thank you for joining us. You don't need no baggage. 
Those who came before you pledged their lives to the right to vote. After Susan B. Anthony was arrested for voting, the women's rights movement intensified through mass marches, hunger strikes, and demonstrations. In the early 1900s, 40,000 women marched in solidarity. Hundreds of White House protesters were arrested and jailed. During World War I, Freedom Begins at Home was a rallying cry. And in 1920, American women won the right to vote. The right to vote was fought for you with great heroism and courage. Honor history. Voter suppression is your business. Please register to vote. Please ensure that you are resisting voter suppression in your community. And don't forget to vote in November. I'm Janice Graham. Souls of Fire, the most powerful force on the earth. A soul of fire. When oppression is profound, the in order to live, in order to locate, in order to feel oneself, unfortunately the reality is the oppressed make certain concessions, certain mental, psychic, and spiritual concessions. In this moment in history, at this very hour, uh, we are still very much uh, in a part of and on that river. We still feel its rhythms, its tide, and we're certainly captive to its current. I think, in a sense, it is very uh, much time uh, to call for the fire. I think um, it is very much time uh, for African Americans to begin to seriously rearticulate our ongoing struggle and about social justice. Where spirit matters. Only on TruthWorks Network. Your Wednesdays just got better. Soul of Fire with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson, Wednesdays, 10 p.m., where spirit matters. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, back to Janice.
tonight. On our panel, co-hosting with me is Alpha of the Alpha Show at TruthWorks Network. It can be heard on Friday at 10 p.m. And Ms. Leah Gaines, she is the president of the West Palm Beach chapter of the NAACP, a Florida activist and warrior. Ms. India Declare of the I Declare show that can be heard on Blog Talk Radio 11 to 1 p.m. Monday through Friday. And Dr. Matthew V. Johnson, the host of Soul of Fire. We're also asking you to join us tomorrow night at 11 p.m. We will be right back here looking at where we have journeyed from tonight till tomorrow. Joining us, joining Alpha and India Declare, uh, and if our other panel members would like to join us, you can confirm with me, will be Playthel Benjamin, uh, who is a WBAI political commentator out of New York, and um, we think it's going to be something that is important because the perspective about how we see this, how many times do we have to try to lay it out, is so different from the rest of the world. Like, I've been running around all day, Alpha, with a gnawing in my belly. My neighbors, they're walking their dogs. They're blowing their leaves. They don't care who put those signs in their yards at mid- after midnight last night. Uh, so... You know, here we are. And thank you all for being with us, and thanks to the members of our pre-election panel. Back over to you, Alpha. Rock the mic. Well, as I was saying, <laughs> I want to, I wanted to raise, um, I wanted to raise a question, really, for to see the where the panel really uh, came down on this. You know, when we get the results, either way, in this election tomorrow, and it seems, you know how, you know you're leading, you know you're winning, but right now there's that doubt because of the underhandedness of the people that you seem that we seem to look look or look upon negatively, and we know that they are up to cheating, stealing, lying, whatever it takes. But this should not only for we as a people could this be happening, and this is happening simply because we have not been aggressive proactive or vigilant about anything, about anything. We seem to approach this as somehow uh, we, we are the ones who want to be fair. We are the ones who want to look, look at this as some type of uh, gentleman's fight. The, the, uh, what, what, what are the uh, boxing rules, Sullivan rules or something to that? Effect, uh, but this is not. This is a drag down, kick out fight. And I just want to know how do the rest of you on the panel feel about that? 
What you want me, you want us to be pissed off or something? No, you don't have to be pissed off. Just opinionated. That's all. Um, well, uh, frankly, I believe that uh, a persevering spirit must endure regardless of what happens. Um, and and uh, uh, I'm just hoping that, of course, I'm hoping that President Obama is, um, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, reelected. Uh, but either way, um, as, 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 as many on the panel have said here, the work has to be done, and uh, we're either going to do it easy or we're going to do it hard. Well, I guess there is no easy, uh, either ha- hard or harder. And and um, I just see us as having work to do, really regardless of what happens, because our people um, are suffering so greatly. And, 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 and I think, if nothing else, if we can just kind of get a modern – clarity of where we are, as Dr. Johnson just said, and as Ms. Gaines has uh, articulated as well, if we can just get some sort of um, uh, a common ground, if you will, uh, on where we are, can we just establish as a people where we are and what must be done? Um, I'm not necessarily pissed off. If anything, I'm, I'm actually fired up because I'm, I, I'm, I'm just so determined to do everything that I can do to just gain some clarity, if nothing else, on where we are. It just seems to be we're so scattered. We're so distorted. I think yeah. Well, I'm just going to share with you personally, um, Alpha, that I, I agree, you know, the struggle continues. We're going to have to continue working. But in terms of uh, where we are in this battle, are we going to just lay down you know, and be, you know, nice and just observe and document what's happening, are we going to resist and fight back? And mm-hmm. and, and I mean literally fight back in, in terms of challenging these folks that are going to come in tomorrow and make challenges. And I don't, I don't mean in a physical way, but what we've been trying to do here is to get folks geared up to be prepared to make that case to challenge these attackers, and we were a little bit disappointed when some of the party folks came into town and they sent in the soft shoes. You know, even in, even even the trainers are soft spoken, and so when the trainer is training folks about and preparing them about what's going to happen and what they expect the monitors to do and the election protection team to do, all the folks are saying, wait, 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 hold on, wait, what? No, 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 no. We're just not going to um, make a, a note of that. We want to know how do we challenge that person challenging that. We don't just want to make a note for future references. We want to make some action so that that person is being challenged can cast a regular ballot if he or she can cast a regular ballot, first and foremost. And then if they can't cast a regular ballot, they can cast a provisional ballot that will in 48 hours be counted. So it was it was as though the, the, the party was coming in and they were just basically saying, this was, the, this was the impression. We don't really want you out there challenging these people that are challenging. And everybody was looking at them like, what? The whole purpose is to make sure these folks can vote. 
who have a right to vote. So we're not going to allow them to steal their right to vote and then make a note of it so we can challenge later. No. So we are not laying down in this battle, but we are a little bit uh, disappointed in that the Obama folks did not have the appropriate people sending them in to do this kind of training at all. And so, you know, we just had to decide this this is what we weren't going to do. We got the information on what legally could be done and how someone can challenge you so you can know how you can prevent that challenge or enforce um, the person's right to vote. But, they weren't. We weren't really given the full story. It was like we had to ask ten questions, and we had to ask ten more. So we're not going to lay down. But it, it, you know, you can't be polite in this game. And I guess some folks that come in and they just really see it as a game because you know they're going to be probably fine one way or another. But some of us are fighting for our lives. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I wanted to respond right. to what Alpha said in relation to. Um, the response that, that, in terms of we having to know what time it is, I think that's Alpha's point. The point is that the time it is is a time of war and that we're really in a death grip battle because I think, and here again, I think we underestimate the savagery, the drive, and the determination of the racism on the other side. I don't, I think we still, it's sort of like, it's sort of like, um, I've seen this many times growing up, when you're, you're wrestling or playing and uh, the fight turns serious for one party and the other party's half beaten before they realize they aren't playing anymore, they're in a, a real fight. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we realize the degree to which uh, black people are under a renewed assault mm-hmm. right down to the most fundamental rights. Um, Cornell West uh, made famous the phrase years ago that the black community is a community under siege. Well, I think it is not only true, but the the siege has received reinforcement and it has intensified. Mm-hmm. And I think that the degree to which the assaults on the integrity of the uh, uh, black community and the integrity of black citizenship, the degree to which they have become obvious, is a clear and open indication of a declaration of war on the black community. And as long as people can get us to think that that's not really what it is, the damn war will be over before we realize that we're in it. Right. And I, and I think that uh, what Alpha was getting at is that I, that he doesn't think, and I, I certainly don't think, that black people understand that this is what they're in. They got right. their hand around it and they're halfway, got you halfway choked out, and you don't even realize that they're serious yet. You still think they're playing. But these people fully intend to take black people down as far as they can get us. They know we're already vulnerable. They know we're suffering. They know we're suffering disproportionately from the economic collapse. They know that we are, uh, anybody can look at us and tell that black self-hatred is at an all-time high in the black community, fueled and, and, and fired by some, some by part of this hip-hop culture and um, a certain kind of unconsciousness 
in uh, many of our young people who operate on a very thin uh, level of inspiration when it comes to what we're really doing in terms of the struggle. And I think they see our vulnerability, and I think they're taking advantage of it, and I think we're losing. I think we're getting pushed back, and we're getting beaten, and don't even we have not recognized that we're in a fight. We still got black folk preaching multiculturalism when their assault ain't on multiculture; it's on black folk. And so I think we're at a, a, a disadvantage because we don't know we're in a fight, and I think we're in a death grip struggle, and haven't realized and woken up to it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And hope. I'm wrong. Well, you're not wrong. You're you're right on on the point. It is our unconscious existence around the realities of what where we are as a people. But baseline, uh, Doctor Johnson, I think when 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 you consider. Um, the questions that you've raised is that we have stopped thinking collectively. Mm-hmm. And that was my point about bringing up all these, excuse me, Dr. Johnson, all these ministers across this country, black ministers across this country, uh, which is just a small handful. But the larger community really paid attention and got the message that they're saying they're going to go fishing and you can't vote for Obama because Obama is for same-sex marriage. Well, Obama didn't make that up. Massachusetts enacted that as the first state to have same-sex marriage. So it wasn't Obama who made that up. It was the gay and lesbian community who understood where their interests lie and the legal implications of what how they would benefit if there was same-sex marriage with equal marriage. So we keep blaming this one and blaming the other one. The other is that we keep looking for a savior. Well, the Savior didn't come, and the Savior's not in. You can watch as many YouTube videos on Malcolm X and Marcus Garvey and Ida B. Wells and and Harriet Tubman and whoever you want to, W.E.B. Du Bois. You can do all of those things. But until you recognize the reality and translate your existence based on what you have read, Nothing different is going to happen. I mean, we we keep saying, well, the Democrats didn't do this and the Obama people didn't do that, but we have to sit in the mirror and say, what did we do? How did our children benefit from four years of the first African-American president? How did I use that? as a leveraged resource, Mm -hmm. and we didn't do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one that likes the idea of beating up on black folks, but if we don't learn from this, right. and even if Mitt Romney 
is defeated tomorrow, we still got the same problem. Right. You know, and and, and the other is that, uh, Dr. Johnson, you always do this. You get stuck in my head. This whole notion of the kind of adopted sentimentality that we have about politics is going to continue to press us down in our own oppression. And that is that we love the idea of having an African-American icon president. Mm-hmm. But we don't pay attention to who's in our state house, who's in our city councils and commissions, who's in our county commission, who's on our school board, mm-hmm. who is our mayor, and what is he talking about, and what does he know, and what should he know, or she. That's a form of the sentimentality that you talk about all the time, Dr. Johnson. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, Alpho? I'm here. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> waiting to see if you're finished with a statement or you're all just pausing. And let me say this. When when we get to this point, um, Mrs. Gaines, you laid out um, what the NC, NAACP is doing, and you laid out three very profound uh, issues. But those three issues are definitely needed. But there are so many more issues that are needed. And this is what the people on the other side have. They have think tanks. And they have so many of them. And they split what they're doing into so many different facets. And they come at us from all directions. And that's what we seem to lack because not only do we lack the funds to sustain a think tank, but we also lack the we also lack the commitment from our own to you know bring about these think tanks. There should be a think tank on this voter suppression, and there should be people working on the this this awareness of state-level elections. And I guarantee you, it, one of the things that, that that has struck me, aside from this presidential election, is how the House of Representatives will remain in Republican hands, even after the 13th mm-hmm. rating that they have, even after all of the lies and the Trojan horse campaigning that they did to get into office with no job bills offered. Only thing they have offered up is uh, legislation, uterus legislation. Don't get don't get India started <laughs> on the uterus on the uterus platform. <laughs> but I think you, I I want to focus on what you mentioned about the think tank. We. We have those are just three issues, but the Occupy the Vote Coalition will set the agenda both in terms of policy and programs, 
policy and solutions. So we understand the dual nature that you, we understand that you've got to have that arm or some identifiable um, entity that's going to be, you know, pushing that advocacy, doing that research, you know, helping to develop that strategy so that we can accomplish the outcomes. We we understand that, um, Alpha, and hope we're, we're hopeful that we'll be able to begin with something. We're not saying that we're going to be able to tackle it all. I know we're, we're not going to be able to do everything, but we're going to start doing something, and I think that's the key. Well, I think we have to start at a practical place. And the other thing that I'd be interested in is to to have India talk about what's going on in Texas and 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 Dr. Johnson talking about the view from um the view from uh Georgia. But I think we have to do something very very some things that are very practical and people like to do things that have a lot of glitter. For instance, I still don't understand. After we went through months of Katrina more than six years ago, why we don't have a black cross. We know how the Red Cross screwed up in 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 in, in New Orleans. We know that how the Red Cross screwed up in Haiti. We don't have not one highly functional social service charity that is run and supported by black people in this country. That's a practical solution. The other practical solution is the absence of well-organized below the blue collar uh, unions in this country that not only serve to look at the wage and benefits and conditions issues of workers, but also look at the, the, the prevalence of racism, white supremacy, and discrimination in employment. And that goes to Alpha's point that he's always making about how we allowed them to assault Acorn in the same way they assaulted Shirley Sherrod. And it just went by the board. So all these people who say that they are politically inclined, Mm -hmm. we're not looking at the day-to-day issues that black people face in this country and bringing solutions to those. For instance, with all the black teachers we have in this country, there's no reason why we don't have a reading, science, and math after-school academy in every city in this country. Absolutely. That's a practical solution. Mm-hmm. So when we go to the Department of Education, I mean, there are there are so many programs that are funded by our tax dollars, but we haven't lobbied for the kind of public policy that secures some of those tax dollars 
to the very problems that we bellyache about day after day. And before Alpha jumps to a break, I do want to say that I think Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida, and Virginia ought to be the focus of black boycott for the next four years. Let Rick Scott eat cake and have tea with Ann Romney. Amen. <laughs> well, I think a um uh I think a serious strategic um uh, uh corralling of uh our consumer patterns and how those consumer patterns are allocated must be a part of the um uh, uh, uh dialogue uh, uh that takes place because clearly um uh many people have taken that consumerism for granted and that yes. is a mistake uh because uh, uh we have enriched um uh, a many of entity that clearly does not have our best interest in mind and are actually actively working against that very interest that we empower them um uh to facilitate so uh we've got some serious issues uh that that have to be dealt with and um uh, and if we don't uh, shame on us as dr johnson said we have this window what will we do with this window? Because clearly that window will not be open uh, very long. In terms of not political empowerment, India, one of the things that I think we're doing, and I had a conversation on Friday on Friday night with uh, Ohio State Senator Nina Turner, and I reiterated over and over to her, look, if you want to put a campaign together to run for U.S. Senate from Ohio, I will come out there personally for six weeks. I will take a six-week leave of absence to come out there and help you assemble putting it together. And that's what we've got to do. Right. We've got to go into Georgia and um, and and organize uh, Dr. Right. Matthew Johnson. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. We have to, we have to support. We have to, we have to uh, figure out uh, who and 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 support who is coming up, um, uh, uh, and who do we need to come up? Who are the? Where's the talent? Um, and 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 who has the skills and the credentials? And how can we help them? Uh, 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 and put them in these uh, strategic uh, political positions because clearly that is what the other side has done, and they and they've gotten away with it, and 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 they have they have they have they have written some of the most radical toxic uh, uh, crap legislation uh, in history, and we've got to combat that with quality people that have our best interest uh, in mind and that will advocate and facilitate uh, on behalf of that best interest. Um, I agree with you. I would, I would, I would, I would, I would do the same thing. Put money uh, and everything else into in, uh, in into a into a, um, a Nina Turner a candidacy. It's going to take sacrifice. We're just going to have to and, and a Leah uh, Gaines campaign the, and a absolutely. campaign to get um, Alan West run out of the damn country. I mean, oh, we've yeah. got to. Uh, as Dr. Matthew Johnson, and I want to hear his comment on this, we got to get mad. we got to get really mad. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're mad enough. 
Right. Revolutions are built on rage and reason. And we know the reason, we just don't have the rage. Well, and I think that's where the media comes in. I think that's where the 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 uh, uh the pacifier uh that is the media to keep to keep one distracted um uh, uh with a reality programs and sports and all this you know all this kind of, you know i mean we there's a galaxy of media distractions and i believe that's what sucks the rage out it is a pacifier uh it keeps right. you distracted and and uh, and we have to be willing to call out um th- th- even if we like these things and i've watched a housewife show or whatever but you know, but I know its role. It does not govern me. It does not dominate my mindset. I know what I have to do. That is, it. It has a role. It is not a governing role. It, it is just entertainment. But we have allowed entertainment to govern us and to dictate uh, how we live and what we buy. And 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 I mean, it's just it's gone way too far. And we have enriched those who are poisoning us. They are. We are literally entertaining ourselves. To death. Well, you know, we allow to, Tom Joyner. I mean, we give, we offer, we participate. Tom Joyner, 12 million um, uh, listeners. Um, Steve Harvey, 10 million listeners. Uh, Michael Basin, 5 million listeners. Joe Madison, 11 million um, listeners. And, and don't let me forget Warren Ballantyne, who makes it up as he goes along. So when we talk about media manipulation, exactly who are we talking about and what do we need? And those are the critical questions, I think, uh, India. Mm -hmm. And Um, and I think we need to also, Janice, you you talked about what are some things we can set up. We need to try to own some of these radio airwaves, some of these Mm -hmm. media uh, outlets and there's an opportunity here in uh, Palm Beach County right now, and we're working on that. We're hoping to be able to do that. But and, and I agree with Mr. Clare. We we get distracted from you know all of this stuff is filtered through the media. But I think the I think people will get that fire when they are confronted with the reality. For example, when they get the raw data. When they disaggregate data, let's just say in terms of academic achievement between black and white, when they look at those that raw those raw numbers and they see only thirty seven percent of black children are reading on grade level. Mm-hmm. I mean that that I mean you might start out being sad, but after a while you're going to be angry, you're going to get mad, and you're going to want to do something about it. So we have to remove all these filters and get the information, the reality, the true story out to the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the other is we have to be willing to in, in, it create uh, a momentum as though we're running a candidate. Our children should be candidates, and we should be lobbying for them. We should be training and teaching and informing their parents what those numbers mean. But we're not doing – I mean, if I can go door-to-door for Elizabeth Warren, who, when it all comes down to it, most of the people that will benefit, really benefit from her presence in the Senate 
are not mm-hmm. people who don't understand what those numbers mean, then I should be willing to go door to door in every housing, public housing development in the city of Boston, mm-hmm. explaining to parents what those numbers mean and how they are impacted, their children are impacted by it, how it came to be, and how it can change. And that's a campaign worth worth working for. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly, and especially when, um, uh, 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 you know, what we what we prioritize, we tend to get done. If we if we uh, um, uh, if an artist uh, comes to our town and we like that artist, mm-hmm. we might not have the money at that time, but we kind of make a way to buy a couple tickets to see that artist. What we prioritize tends to get done. I just submit that our priorities are upside down. Yeah. It's not that we cannot prioritize. We do it daily. It's that what we are prioritizing is is shallow, surface, hollow, and not impacting, uh, uh, enriching, or uplifting our lives. And what we do not prioritize is what we need to be prioritizing. And how do you make that, like, um, uh, as I use the show to say, how do we make policy cool? How do we make what will impact your life, energy policy, when you turn on your light switch, trade policy, when you go to buy produce at the grocery store, if you even have a grocery store in your community, of uh, 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 taxation policy, of 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 how do we make this stuff cool? How do we make it attractive? How do we sex it up? Because that's what sells, and 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 it's sick. I wish it. I wish sexing it up didn't sell, but it does. So how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Because it just seems like nobody's interested if it's not sexy. It's 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 weird. I don't. I mean, I don't. Um, it's like we've been brainwashed by your guest Saturday night, Ms. Janice Fan. Right at the end of that show, um, a gentleman called in about the boxes on the sides of the home. Uh, uh, that the um, that the uh, light companies now have, mm-hmm. yeah, the smart boxes on the side of the home, um, and 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 your guests begin to go into the power of the electromagnetic components that we have in our homes and things of this nature, and it, it's like, is that it? Is why? Where has our interest gone? Why are we not? Concerned about our children not being able to read, uh, 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 moms being overwhelmed, uh, 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 dads not ste- fathers not stepping up and owning the role of dad. Um, uh, uh, things core things that we should be just friggin' adamant about. We just seem to be, you know, whatever. I mean, I mean, in this what country, is that? in this country, we spend millions of dollars every year on something called smart homes. And that is uh, houses that should be free of environmental uh, uh, influences that make people sick. Mm -hmm. But they're not going to take on the utilities about these smart boxes because 
then they have to hire more workers going door to door and have less dividends to report for their shareholders. The mm-hmm. other is that uh, in New England, for instance, uh, the the indicator is that 48% of more minority children in this country have asthma. It's real clear to me, and I'm not a rocket scientist, nor am I a doctor, that it's this old housing stock where the wood and the sides of the housing, uh, the, the sides of the physical buildings and the old internals of the buildings are hiding mold. Mm-hmm. So children have incidents of asthma more than anywhere else in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, why haven't they figured it out with their million dollars worth of um, uh, grants that they give to landlords and housing authorities and developers to do something about environmental influences in homes for children? See, that's what I mean by the practical notion. Mm-hmm. If our mm-hmm. children are sucking up ibuterol three times a day, how the hell mm-hmm. are they going to learn how to read? Exactly. We got to take how a break. Do we, and how do, we, um, how do we take that point that you just made and make that the centerpiece at the table so that everybody sees it and that gets the attention that it deserves. Ms. India, you're in charge. Can Do we need to take a break right about now? Uh, yes, we do. Let us, let us, and 33 after the hour. You're listening to Our Common Ground special programming, and I am just privileged and humbled to be um, uh, amongst the panel. Thank you so very much, Ms. Janice, Ms. Janice Graham. Take it. Tuned into the Our Common Ground 2012 Election Review, Analysis, and Insight broadcast. Thank you for joining us. People get ready as a train of common. You don't need no baggage, you just get it on. For the next episode of Black Women in the Prism, Tamura Lomax, editor of The Feminist Wire. The Feminist Wire provides socio-political and cultural critique of anti-feminist, anti-racist, and anti-imperialist politics. Here at TruthWorks Network, November 13th, 10 p.m., 
The Feminist Wire, and Tamura Lomax, its editor. We hope that you'll join us. Black Women in the Prism, Reclaiming Our Lives and Ourselves. At TruthWorks Network, November 13th.
the host of Soul of Fire and the pastor of the Good Church, the Good Shepherd Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you all for joining us. India, take it away. Uh, and indeed, um, look, I, I, I just wanted to say a big thank you uh, to you, Ms. Janice Graham, for extending this uh, privilege, uh, invitation to be able to sit with you and uh, Dr. Johnson, Ms. Gaines, of course, uh, Alpha, um, um, uh, powerful. And uh, I only, I only wish hope and 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 will work to uh, broaden this type of dialogue. Um, uh, because of course this is this is the this is the type of media a um, uh, cuisine that needs to be served on a consistent basis. Uh, if nothing else, establishing a clarity of where we are and what we have to do uh, going forward. Um, I just wanted to take a moment and pass on uh, to your audience um, uh, for those who might not know the depth uh, of the accomplishments of this president and this administration, because, of course, President Obama and the Obama administration has not really sold uh, uh, their extensive accomplishments and to-do list and everything that they have checked off the to-do list. Uh, I will just uh, forward your audience to please cut the crap dot dot type pad dot com and I will put the link to it um uh in the in the in the chat room. Uh the extensive and I must uh, put the word extensive uh, in quotations, the extensive list uh, of accomplishments of this particular president. And I'm wanting to put to the panel uh do you think that and maybe with some people it just wouldn't matter what he did. Uh, and we and we know obviously that is a significant percentage. But but do you think that the not um, uh, selling and promoting uh, 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 this is this administration's accomplishments um, uh, will hurt the president? I mean, we should all know. Uh, uh, and I I pride myself on reading up on a lot of this stuff consistently. And some of the stuff I didn't even know, and 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 I'm like, wow, I didn't know he did that, or 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 his administration did that. Um, there seems to be this gap between uh, uh, what the uh, Obama administration has achieved and 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 what we know of those achievements. Uh, um, uh, and I'm wondering if that um, or the lack thereof. Uh, will have an impact uh, tomorrow. I know for some there's a constituency, obviously, that nothing this man can ever do, ever say, will ever impact them. Um, but why don't we know more about the accomplishments of this administration? That That's an excellent point because there are many. In the field that I work in, I work in community development finance. In that particular field, this administration has done, I mean, just phenomenal things. And what we do is we make, we're really the only lender right now. We used to be considered a lender of last resort, but the banks are not providing any uh, financing for new startups or small business ex- expansion under $1 million. And so this president has done many things. The Middle Class Tax Relief and Job Creation Act. Does anybody know about that? No. Does anybody know about the fact that he removed uh, many of the waiver and regulatory requirements 
in order for intermediaries to borrow lines of credit, I mean, to, to attain lines of credit and, and debt to reloan back out into the community. Does the public know about the small business lending fund, the small business, uh, the specialized small business investment act that all the states receive tremendous allocations of dollars for small business um, financing? And so you're absolutely right. I just I only know about this because I I work directly in that field. But for example, the middle class tax relief act and job creation act gave the work search waivers to uh, first a preliminary round of pilot states on you having to go search for work if you're receiving unemployment compensation and that you could go and and now train yourself and get yourself ready to become self-employed through going into your own um, business and opening up your own enterprise without losing um, your unemployment compensation benefits. And so now after that pilot project um, was completed, now it has been extended throughout the nation and the states can opt into it. And so we as the people must put pressure on our governors to take advantage of those dollars that are now available to the states to establish the programs and to promote them. For example, here in Florida, Governor Scott hasn't done anything yet. And so we're putting pressure on him to tap into those dollars because if he doesn't tap into those dollars and there are federal tax dollars, we lose them. And right. so we we have to be responsible for knowing what is so then we can then go after it and bring those benefits back to the people. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the list of accomplishments, and as you have just uh, articulated um, uh, uh, access to uh, economic security stimulation uh, mm-hmm. is quite extensive, and yet um, there has—I I don't know—there—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's not that widely known, and it's—it's it's, you know we certainly know what the right wing says. Uh, 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 a lot of us can hear that crap in our sleep. Uh, but what the mm-hmm. actual uh, what actual policies have been passed in spite of the lockstep obstruction That's and right. lockstep no 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 from the House and the Senate and the filibustering and all of this, what a tremendous uh, uh, list of accomplishments this administration has been able to get done, and and I just find it a shame that. We don't really know that. And, again, I attribute that to the lack of, uh, as Alpho speaks of all the time, the lack of surrogates, uh, the lack of media vessels. This should be common knowledge. Well, well, if I don't say I'm pretty, who's going to know I'm pretty? Mm -hmm. If you don't speak Mm -hmm. up for yourself, who's going to speak up for you? If you are Mm -hmm. afraid... If you are walking around on eggshells because you are afraid that they will criticize you, they will talk about you for spiking the football, for beating your chest, for bragging about your accomplishments, then this is where we are left. It's like you, someone asked you that question. If your life mm-hmm. passed before your eyes, would it be worth watching? And you have to ask it. You know, you have to, if you don't promote yourself, who will? Right. Well, I think that it hooks into this notion of being sentimental. 
about our political figures. Uh, I think that quite a few people were, I know that I was personally um, offended by Joe Wilson's behavior. Well, I was hello, Janice. Uh, I lost, I lost Janice, but Alpo, I do okay. hear you loud and clear. I was offended by them not taking Joe Wilson out of the room. The Sergeant of Arms, the Secret Service, whomever. Whether or not it was wrong to remove him, let's argue that at another day. But right then, right there, in front of the country, I'd have hauled his ass out of the room, and on his way out. I would have been, like, uh, heckling him. Like, see if his mama can teach him some new manners. See if his mama can tell him how you act in such a form. You know, at some point, the, I guess the look of presidential is one thing. And just the bombastic uh, response to that type of silliness, that foolishness is another. Yes, I, I speak in those terms because I know he would not, he would never do that. But that is the, I would say that's the street in me. You don't allow a punk like Joe Wilson to get away with something like that. I would have at least had him removed. And to his complaint and to the complaint of every one of the Republicans in the room and whoever raised uh, a voice about he had a right to be there, I'd have had him removed too. And if you can support that type of disrespect, you don't belong in the room with civility. Well, Alpha, you know, I must uh, admit I completely agree with you. Um, uh, and maybe uh, it's the street in me, or, or 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 rather rather my grandmothers in me uh, that would have had him dealt with immediately, and I would have dared someone else to do it. So I mean, there would have been a cold. Um, um, uh, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you've got to, you've got, you've got to be, you know, you just got to handle, and sometimes you just have to handle in that moment. And if you have a petulant child who happens to be in the form of a United States congressman, uh, that child will be dealt with or needed to be dealt with right then. And I think that was a significant moment in front of the entire nation and the world. And I do think that uh, uh, that being unprecedented, uh, 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 you know, and he chose to handle it, the president chose to handle it in the way that he handled it. But uh, I clearly must uh, agree with you, whether it's, you know, called the street or, you know, or my grandmother's or whatever. That son of a gun would have been dealt with immediately. Well, that's just me. I guess it's mm-hmm. the heathen. It's the heathen in me, right, uh, Dr. Jackson? I'm back. <laughs> no, I, no I, think, I think that's the Lord in you, Alpha, right then. Oh, well, thank I, you. I, I shudder to think what would have happened if um, John Lewis had done that to George Bush. Okay. Oh, yeah. He would have been put uh, in the congressional jail that they have downstairs. No, yeah. yeah, throwing his shoes, you know? Or mm-hmm. Jesse Jackson Jr. Had, had done it to uh, George Bush, mm. who, who was lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been, the, the whole country would have said, that's irrelevant. That's the President of the United States. 
and it, it, it was unspeakable. It would have been a justification for not electing any more blacks to Congress. It would have been, I mean, right. that, that thing would have become such a, a cause of love that they'd still be talking about it. But when mm-hmm. it's done to a black man, the same rules don't apply. And mm-hmm. that's precisely, that's, see, that's the root of the problem right there. And, and until we until we grasp that difference, I was having this conversation with uh, Professor at uh, TC today, and uh, I said the bottom line is you all doing ethics uh, keep making the assumption that um, we use the term humanity. We assume that because we're all human, it means the same thing when applied to everyone in that category. And that same thing is the intrinsic value of each uh, individual. Well, intrinsic value by its nature is not quantifiable. But the fact of the matter is that black humanity is quantifiable. That in Western culture, the category black humanity lends itself to quantifiable techniques of determining value Mm -hmm. and other ways of determining value. In other words, it's not assumed to be intrinsic. If a black football player has a certain set of skills, uh, he's looked at as and evaluated whether or not he deserves to have that. In other words, you even have to merit through some kind of uh, moral alchemy. You have to justify it in having a certain set of skills before you're allowed by white folk to use them. White people don't have to pass that criteria. You don't have to deserve to have the ability that you had, particularly when you worked and earned it. But, of course, the black is not earned. It's given, granted by instinct, their fruits of nature. You see, it's that kind of thing. And and, and so I think the, the president has not escaped that. Right. So they, they're always evaluating whether or not he deserves a certain amount of respect as president or how mm-hmm. much respect does he deserve as president of the United States. Has he proven himself? And we're always in the position of having to prove ourselves. I mean, once, right. other words, once we earn something, then we have to prove the right that we should continue to be in a place. We're always The poor man was never allowed to be president. Hell, he was running from day one. They had Sarah Palin running against him for two years after he okay. was elected, before they got an official and, and, field. Um, he, we he only have a... Uh, we only have a few a few more moments, and 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 I want um, uh, each of you um, starting uh, continuing with Dr. Johnson, so you can make your point, sir. Uh, 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 this particular president has had to prove himself every step of the way. I've never seen um, another president have to li- list a laundry list of I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Uh, I'm deserving of a second term. Bush didn't do that. Um, uh, let us um, uh, uh, wrap this up with with with, with your final thoughts, um, uh, Dr. Johnson, uh, Ms. Gaines, and then uh, Alpha. No, I, I, I would just conclude by saying that, uh, and I think that that's what we see. So, uh, the intrinsic value of the office is somehow compromised by virtue of a black man holding it, and mm-hmm. uh, therefore uh, they felt free uh, to disrespect him, uh, and they, they feel free to continue um, to evaluate him in ways that I think undermine the value and the credibility of office and the standing of the United States uh, internationally. I do. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so anyway, that was all part of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ms. Gaines, your closing thoughts? Yes, I agree. For example, um, if you ask virtually all of the economists agree, for example, that the stimulus package works. So why there is this thing about are we better off today than we were four years ago, why this question keeps coming up is exactly what Dr. Johnson is talking about. Mm-hmm. There is no question that the evidence shows that the president helped state and local government to save millions of jobs and create millions of jobs. That is, mm-hmm. There's no doubt in that. So, um, but the truth is going to be denied simply on the basis of race. Um, Alpha? Well, this is not about having facts on your side. This is about living in the living in the bubble, living in this ulterior universe, in this in this parallel universe. Anytime you have a group who are just confounded out against to obstruct to confront at every level. Uh, it just seems to me that you either fight them back or you capitulate. Mm-hmm. And this is what we've seen. We've got a debt ceiling fight coming up, a lame duck jump off the cliff fight coming up. Now, if you're afraid to jump off the cliff, then we're going to jump off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Isn't it time for the Democrats to take a hostage? Isn't it time for the Democrats to call the terms and tell them, you either pass this jobs bill, you either do what you should have been doing, or we're going to simply jump off the cliff. Now, whether or not the military-industrial complex is harmed in your state will be up to you. And when it comes to the debt ceiling, Article 4, of the 14th Amendment, take the hostage away and raise the debt ceiling on your own. And if this is because I don't it, say President Obama is reelected, mm-hmm. they're not give up. They're, this fight is going to continue. It exactly. With Clinton, it's going to continue ah. as long as there a Democrat in the office. Once a Republican comes in, will. the Democrats along. The fight will continue, but this production uh, has to wrap. Um, I want to thank so very much Ms. Janice Graham for allowing me this uh, special privilege and our special guest, uh, Ms. Aaliyah Gaines. It's so nice to be uh, on the air with you. I can only hope that you uh, uh, can stop by the uh, Ivy Claire show and, 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 and talk to us about the many nuances of our process going forward. Uh, Dr. Johnson, always a privilege uh, and an humbling pleasure, sir. Uh, Alpha actually will be joining me tomorrow on the I Declare Show, 11 a.m. Eastern Time Live, right here on blogtalkradio.com. And uh, once again, thank you for joining us on this special edition of Our Common Ground. And do join us tomorrow evening uh, as uh, we will be right here uh, watching the historic uh, ongoing uh, machinations of our uh, election Day political process. Uh, it and is with that that I will wrap. Thank you, Miss India. Just like the city that stagger on the coastline. 
Uh-huh. 